for the feelings that come from the facts. Amen. I said the feelings that come from the facts and that we don't have to try to produce facts from our feelings. And we certainly thank the Lord. Thank you, Nita, for the special message in song. Thank you on the screens for the special message to silence your phones. All right. And we certainly thank the Lord for that. And that is always a help to all of us as we, 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 we believe you, we believe you that you paid your phone bill, but you just want us to know, all right? Esther chapter number nine, Esther chapter number nine, stand with me and while you're standing, talk to me now. God is working behind this. Come on, let's, come on, come on, come on. Let's do some spiritual calisthenics with our voice. We're getting us warmed up, right? Say it now. God is working behind. Get that spiritual blood working in y'all. Say it again. God is working behind the scenes. All right, come on, stress the name of God. Say it again. God is working behind the scenes. Stress is now. God is working behind. All right, stress what he's doing. He's working. Tell me now. God is behind this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell me where he's working behind. God is working behind. That's right. You got to remember behind. That means sometimes you can't see it, but you got to believe it. Amen. Amen. And then tell us behind what? The scenes. All right, now. God is working behind the scenes. All right. God is. How many believe that tonight? You got to believe it. Somebody's going through something. Somebody's carrying a burden. Somebody's discouraged. Somebody's frustrated. Watch this now. Somebody's experienced victory. All right? All right? We, we come to church sometimes and we all struggling. That ain't true. Some of, us, some, of us, some of us are in a season of victory. Some people are. But guess what? You better hope God's working while you're victorious too. He's working behind the scenes. So it's important to understand that the whole premise of this text, this book, is that even when you can't see him, he's working. Even when you can't feel him, all right? Song she just said, I feel him in my soul. How many of you know sometimes you can't feel him? Okay, sometimes you wake up and you don't feel saved. Huh? But you, listen, listen, listen. The one who keeps your salvation is working even when you don't feel it. He's working behind the scenes. You got to believe that tonight. Easier to believe it in church when you're surrounded by a community of believers. Harder to believe it later when you leave church when you're by yourself. Watch this now. It's just as much true alone as it is in a crowd. And you've got to believe it. Belief is a choice. I struggle. I struggle with people say, I just can't believe the Bible. I just can't believe Jesus is real. I just can't believe that you can go to heaven by putting your faith and trust in God. And yet they believe in somebody that made the car that they're driving. They believe in somebody that made the pew that they're sitting on. They believe in somebody that does all kinds of things that they never met. I think it's easier to believe in God than it is man. So it boils down to a choice. Esther chapter 9, are you there? Yeah, pastor, we've been there. (laughs) Esther chapter number 9. Now, last week, we repeated the phrase a couple times. Laid not their hands on their prey. Everybody remember that? Laid not their hands on their prey. You're going to see that, verse 15. But on the prey, they laid not their hand. Verse 16. But they laid not their hands on the prey. Everybody there? Verse 17 is where we're going to start reading tonight. Okay? Everybody there? Open book. 
quiz on the what day of the month? All right. What month? Adar. Everybody say Adar. Which day? No, the first one. 13th day of what month? All right. And on the what day? Of the same. Okay, when it says the same, it's talking about the same month, which is Adar. Okay? They did what? They rested. Made it a day of what? And how many of you know ain't nothing like eating and resting? All right? And this is amazing. The holiday coming up Monday is Labor Day. You know what we're going to do? Eat and rest. All right? All right? Verse 18. But that's a conjunction. Comes between two phrases to indicate a contrast. Okay? But the Jews that were at what? Shushan. That's the capital. That's where the palace was. Assembled together on the 13th day thereof. And on the, and on the what day? They rested. Okay? Everybody following? The but in verse number 18 is to distinguish the difference between the Jews in verse number 17 and the Jews in verse number 18. Words matter. There's a different day of rest for two different sets of Jews. There's a reason. So we'll talk about that in just a moment. But they also rested and made it the day of what? Feasting and glad. The day was different, but aren't you glad that even though the day was different, they did the same thing. Rested and ate. Therefore the Jews of the villages that dwelt in the unwalled towns made the, what? 14th day of the month, Adar, a day of gladness and feasting and a good day. And of sending portions one to another. Let the church say amen. amen. Father, add thy blessing to the reading of your word. Cleanse me of sin, empty me of self, and fill me with your spirit. Help me be a blessing and use the Bible. Thank you that you're real. If you're not real, let's shut this service down and go home. Thank God that we're going to keep the service going because you're real. Now. I pray, God, that you'd find in this building, this church, Crossroads Baptist Church tonight, some real Christians serving a real God. Bless now in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. The last section we concluded in our text, and when we say our text, the entire book of Esther was what I call the experienced position. Everybody following me? The experienced position. We called it this for this reason. It was the culmination of expectation turning into experience. Everybody listening? Expectation turning into experience. Now listen to me now. Expectation comes from a promise right? A promise. But experience requires patience. So in other words, I can say I believe, 
but I'm going to sustain my belief if I've got the patience. This is what Hebrews talks about. Endure until the end. The just shall live by faith. Uh, The writer of Hebrews said, you must endure. In other words, there are some promises that have not yet come. There are some promises that God must fulfill. So you've got to believe enough to be patient so that you move from expectation to experience. Now listen to me. If we were talking about this book in sequence, most of us Understand what it is to live out chapter one, chapter two, chapter three, chapter four. Listen to me. All of us know what it is to be living in a foreign land. Watch this now. This world's not our home. We're just passing through. Watch this now. Every single one of us that lives in this world, it's a foreign land. This world is not like heaven. So our home is heaven. We get saved. Heaven becomes our home. So when we live down here on this earth, it does things down here that we're not going to do in heaven. This world does not jive with God. Somebody say amen. So we understand that. We understand what it is to have a wicked enemy like Haman, the devil plotting against us. We understand what it is to have a target on our lives. We understand what it is to be under attack. We understand what it is to have a demise set on us. Every single one of us can identify with Mordecai and the Jews as people of God being attacked by the enemies of God. The problem is most of us don't have enough spiritual grit to hang around till chapter 9. And so the discouragement of attacks and the discouragement of crisis and, and the discouragement of calamity and the discouragement of adversity often wears on us. We get so overwhelmed, we get so burdened, we tap out before we actually experience what we expect. Everybody that signs on to the Christian life starts excited. But somewhere along the way, people run into some roadblocks and go, I got saved and I thought I was going to have it made in the shade, drinking pink lemonade, and I thought the devil was going to leave me alone and everybody's going to love me and I thought my family was going to have a pom-pom because I serve God. And I thought my friends were going to give me a high five because I did. I thought everybody would respect that. And then you run into some people that hate you because you're a Christian. Some family members that don't understand your walk with God. And some, some people that love you say, now that you're talking about this Jesus stuff, we don't want you around us. And some people that mock your Christianity and, and the job mistreats you because you're doing right while it elevates people that are doing wrong. And all of a sudden you get disillusioned and go, why in the world am I under attack when I'm right with God? And some people say, I ain't going to do right no more because right's getting me in trouble. Listen to me. Jeremiah was a major prophet and he said that speaking the name of God was causing him to be in derision he got locked up he got locked down and he got to the point as a major prophet where he said I quit I will not say God's name anymore if Jeremiah can get there he's a better man than you and I you and I can get there so when you come to Crossroads Baptist Church and we preach our way through an entire book of the Bible, it is to introduce us to the totality of a life of a Christian instead of just jumping into Esther chapter number nine and going, I'm just going to live in victory. I'm just going to be a Christian that's winning all the time. I'm just going to enjoy the product of being a Christian. No, 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 no. You can't have the product if you won't endure the process. And some of you are in the middle of the process tonight. And The danger, I was talking to someone today, the danger of 21st century Christianity is that so many of us are living in the fast track technologically, and we're living in the fast track culturally, and we're living in the fast track. Listen, listen, you go to the store, you don't have to stand in line, you you just check out your stuff and check out line, you go to the drive-thru line, and now all the stuff you used to go to the restaurant to buy, they brought it to the frozen section, and now everything that used to take 45 minutes in the oven takes about four and a half minutes in the microwave. 
And we bring that mentality to the work of God. So some of you look up at a platform or you look into, you come into church and you see a child of God that's experiencing spiritual victory and go, oh, I can do that. I can do that. He has victory. I have victory. And you forget that that man's worked for that victory. And so you think you're going to drive through victory. And now we live in a day of social media where you don't have to look like nothing. You don't have to be nothing. You don't have to be going nowhere. You just make up what you want to look like. Say you've been somewhere and tell everybody what you are. Put it on the internet and you've created an image. But the problem is you have an image that your integrity can't match. And so we're looking in on people who didn't live in image. They lived in integrity. Integrity gets you from chapter 1 to chapter (laughs) 9. Image gets you through chapter 1 and then you fizzle. You fizzle. Because you don't have enough Christianity to sustain adversity. And I'm watching believers right in the middle of the 21st century who have toted Christianity, who are labeled Christians, who have served as Christians, who have sat under good Christianity, who have carried their Bibles for years. And we're learning by their failure. We're learning by their rebellion. We're learning by their desertion of the things of God that although they have carried their Bibles, they have never learned how to let their Bibles carry them. And it is a mockery to God because it gives a perception to the world that we're a bunch of talk with no walk. So Esther is God's way of saying, look, I'm doing my part. Y'all got to do yours if you're going to get to an experienced position. Tonight, I want to step into one of the last few sections of the book of Esther, which is what I call in your notes, Established Purim. Established Purim. P-U-R-I-M. Established Purim. This is, this is going to be a holiday that's established in Esther chapter 9. And the establishment of this holiday is the result of the story. Okay? So this Purim doesn't just get thrown into existence in this book by accident. If they don't arrive at what's happening in their lives in Esther chapter 9, there is no established pure. Listen, 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 listen. Somebody's going to have to understand me tonight. There's a feast that's getting established in Esther chapter 9. There, 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 there's something that's getting marked down on the calendar in Esther. There, there, there is a tradition that the Jews are going to start in Esther chapter 9 that's going to go a long time. And all of this that's getting started in their lives is a result as, as to what God did. For, I'm trying to ask you a question. Do you have anything going on in your life that got established because of what God did for you? Some occurrences, some happenings. I mean, I mean, some stuff you do on a regular basis that is a result of what God has done for you. Listen, the world's got a whole bunch of established stuff that's been established because of foolishness. I'm trying to find out if there's some Christians in 2023 who have set up some days in their lives, and those days have been set up based on the goodness of, aren't you glad? There, there, there aren't just birthdays and New Year's and, and, and St. Patrick's Day and, and Labor Day. And, and listen, all of these are days that America celebrates because of what has happened in our history history. But let me tell you something. Here in Esther chapter 9, this is not just a day that is set up because what happened in history. This is a day that was set up because what happened in his story. Amen. 
And is God's story a part of your story? That's the question tonight. Is God's story a part of your story? Now look at verse 17. Let me give you a couple of thoughts just to <clears throat> incite your spiritual appetite tonight. We'll look at it again on next week. Last week we talked about they conquered their prey and they didn't take any of this stuff from the prey. They were just... They just wanted to get the prey out the way. They, they didn't need the enemy's stuff. They just need the enemies out of the way. God could give them stuff. Somebody say amen. You don't, you don't need the world's stuff. You just need the world out of the way so you can serve God. God can give you stuff. Don't get revengeful. But on verse 17, on the 13th day of the month, Adar, on the 14th day of the same day, they rested. Everybody understand that? Verse 18, the Jews that were Shushan assembled on the 13th day and on the 14th day. And the Bible says on the 15th day, they rested. Okay, so it's important to understand this established Purim is begun, first of all, by a dated celebration. If you're taking notes tonight, a dated celebration. There's, there are dates set in our text in verse 17. 13th day, it's set. 14th day, they rest. In verse 18, 13 and 14th day, they set it. And on the 15th day, they rest. It's important to understand this dated celebration. And there were two different times in these passages of Scripture. If you're taking notes, and you can go look at this in your Bible reading at another time. But the Jews in the unwalled cities set, their, set it in Adar on the 14th. Here's why. They fought on the 13th, and they rested on the 14th. So the, the, the victory that they had and the battle that they fought and the conquering of their enemies happened on the 13th. So they set that day as the 13th, and then they rested on the 14th. The Jews who were in Shushan at the, Shushan at the capital city, their date was a little bit different. Here's why. They actually fought on the 13th and the 14th, so they rested on the 15th. So, so the dates were synonymous with the battles. Watch it, everybody understand? They fought on the 13th and won, so they set the rest day on the 14th. These were the Jews in the unwalled cities. Those in the capital city fought for two days, so they set their holiday on the 13th and 14th and rested on the 15th. Here, here, here's what I'm trying to get you to understand. The dates differed based on the battles. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. You can't be borrowing anybody else's shout. You got to have your own shout. Your shout got to be set on your own story. If you don't have a story, you don't have a shout. Trying to borrow somebody else's shout ain't going to last because your shout doesn't come from your story. I'm just saying, establish some victories with God and set your celebrations based on your victories. If you don't have no victories, you can't have no celebrations. But if you have celebrations, make sure your celebrations mirror your victories. Aren't you glad as a Christian we can come together corporately in the house of God, but while we're worshiping corporately, we can go home and win battles individually. And so it was different for different Jews. They were all Jews, but their rest day was different because their battles were different. And here's what I'm saying. If you, if you have conquest on a different day, then you have to have a celebration on a different day. So the rest day came for everybody. And by the way, if you're a child of God, regardless of who you are, God can give you rest. Everybody believe that? God can give you rest. But here's what I'm trying to tell you tonight. It not, it's not going to necessarily happen when another Christian rests. 
And some believers struggle because they don't understand why somebody else is enjoying spiritual rest and they're not. And I'm trying to tell you, believer, stop comparing your rest day with somebody else's rest day. You just obey God and realize at his time you will experience the victory. Don't set the holiday before the victory. Have the victory first and then set the holiday. Everybody listening? You got to win before you celebrate. And we have all seen, particularly in the game of football, premature celebrations. You know know what I'm saying? Up there, he practiced the dance all week long and doing some favorite prop and get his team to get in line with him. And they all doing this and all the cameras watching or somebody's up in in the end zone shaking and jiving and shaking and jiving. And what he can't see is what we on the television see. There's a flag on the field, man. You look good dancing, but the play's coming back. Here, here's what I'm telling you. Make sure you don't do your dance until you make sure the play actually counts. Win before you celebrate. So I want you to understand the dated celebration. Notice secondly tonight, there's determined communication. Determined communication. 17, 18, 19, the Jews of the villages, verse 19, that dwelt in unwalled towns, made 14th day of the month, Avar, day of gladness and feasting, a good day, and of sending portions one to another. So 17 and 18 and 19 tells us the dated celebration, but verse number 20 tells us a determined communication. Mordecai wrote these things, sent letters unto all the Jews that were in all of the provinces of King Hazarus, both nigh and far. Verse 21, to establish this among them, that they should keep the 14th day of the month, Amar, and Adar, and the 15th day of the same. Here's what Mordecai's saying. <laughs> hey, look, we know when you fought, we know when you won. We know when you're celebrating, and we know you set this date. But, but every once in a while, it's good to formalize things and not just functionalize things. In other words, it's, it's good not to just do them, but put them down on the record and disperse it so that everybody knows we are setting this officially. In other words, here, here's what I want you to understand. If, if you grab the microphone and announce your crises, make sure you grab a microphone when God gives you conquest. Anybody listening? If you blast how bad you have it, make sure you turn the volume up just as loud when you have it good. We, 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 are, we are bent towards negativity. And we, we, spend, we spend an hour ho-humming and 30 seconds worshiping. And, and we give a narrative to God that makes him look less significant, less important, and listen, just be honest, less at work than the devil because we spend more time talking about our battles than we do our victory. Here, here's, here's what Mordecai says. Listen to me. We're go- listen, if it went down in record when Haman decided to kill us, then let's put it down in record when God decided to save us. And we're not good at this. And we, we listen, listen, come on. I'm a pastor. So I've got even a better vantage point and a better gauge. And, and I guess I could put it like this. I'm, I'm, I'm even on a better, more qualified frequency to hear 
the narrative of the people of God than the average church member. And let me tell you something. There's always a negative narrative that seems to make the head. I'm just trying to tell you, it just irks me that what the devil's doing in the life of believers seems to play on channel four, five, seven, and nine, and what God's doing seems to play on channel 13. People get on the internet and they go off on all this nonsense and negativity and foolishness and they give one shout out to Jesus. You listen to people talking, it's all this, the devil did this and the flesh did this and the world did this and I messed up here, this did that and this, that, that. Listen, I'm not belittling anybody's problem. I'm just saying, give God a chance. Wait on God long enough. He's going to show up and it's a shame when the devil's work hits prime time and God's work plays at 3 a.m. When everybody sleep. Mordecai said, Send letters out. All of the provinces. Nigh and far. 21. To establish this. Look, 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 look. God's been too good for us to go month after month and not celebrate him. Now look here, look here. I'm talking to the choir tonight. Because all of y'all are here on Wednesday night. But I'm telling you anyway, in case you get to a spiritual point in your life where you don't think coming on Wednesday is important. Let me tell you why you need to come to church even when you don't feel like it. Church ushers you into a celebration of God that is much more likely to occur when you're home. Okay? And let me tell you while I'm thinking about it, to all our beloved believers who, not because of divine inhibition, but because of carnal laziness, all right? Because some people can't come to church because they can't come to church. Some people don't come to church because they don't, they don't want to come to church and they go everywhere else. You, you are less pushed to celebrate God from the couch than you are from the pew because there are more distractions that will draw you away from a God-centered celebration than they are when you're in the house of God. The phone, the stove, the, 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 the bed, the recliner, something else to talk about, something else to bring up. Something Y'all know what I'm talking about because you do it every Sunday night amongst yourselves talking while I'm preaching. Listen, I'm just trying to tell you, listen, to, listen there's something about being in the house of God that gives us a seriousness to the celebration of God that we don't seem to be able to embrace our own selves. That's why we need, look, y'all think God was, you think when God wrote the Bible, he really didn't envision 2023. So a lot of these verses are really not applicable because God didn't know how bad the world was going to be. I'm here to tell you God saw 2023 when he inspired the word of God. And in Hebrews chapter number 10, he said, as the day approaches to him coming back, he said so much the more. This is what the writer of Hebrews said. We need more church the closer we get to the return of Christ, not less. Hebrews 10, 25. Because the worse the world gets, the more we need God. And so much the more. I didn't didn't make it up. Y'all just want to get us up here again so you can just look at. No, 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 no. No, listen, listen, listen. (laughs) The hardest, the one has to work the hardest when he comes to church is me. So anybody want to break is me, right? 
But I know that the closer we get to the return of Christ, the harder the devil's going to work. And the writer of Hebrews said, we need more, not less. The devil's working harder. We don't need to work less. And so much the more as we see today. Now, we, be, we want it to be productive. We don't just be up in here just wasting time. No, I mean, we don't need to come here for three or four hours and just, just, just do nothing. May God help us to glean substantive information from the word of God that's going to help us. But this, listen, this notion that we need less church as we get closer to the return of Christ than more is not only not, not, it's not only illogical, it's unbiblical. We need, and this is what Mordecai said. I'm putting it in writing because you know what? Y'all real happy about Purim Purim right now since you just got the victory, but I'm putting it in writing because six months from now, it might die out. So let's write it down and let's set this month and let's do it on this day and rest on this next day and let's put it officially in the documentation. By the way, not just for now, but so that generations later when our children show up and they weren't here when God saved our hide from crazy Haman we have officialized it in the documentation so they can look back and say, I wasn't there when it happened, but it's been recorded in the documents. And just because I wasn't there doesn't mean I can't celebrate because the truth of the matter is we celebrate a whole lot of dates we weren't there for. And no more qualified dates to celebrate than deliverance of God. What a God. God help us. We have to do a better job of reminding ourselves of how good God has been. Let's set some dates. I'm all for them. Spiritual birthdays, the day I surrender to preach, the day I, hey, listen, don't ever let them. You're just finding all kinds of spiritual dates. Set them. Set dates because God knows with the help of the flesh, the world, and the devil, he set a whole lot of other dates we're trying to forget. Let's set some good dates that celebrate the goodness of God. Father, thank you. Help us, strengthen us, guide us, and direct us. Oh, you've been a good God, a good, good Father. All over the building, how many say, Pastor? There have been some things in my life that God has done, good things God has done. But I've been guilty of letting the bad ones drown out the good. And I need to get ahead of the game and date some celebrations. And then determine some community. I need to spread it abroad and I need to be telling other people, hey, we need to celebrate this. We, we, we need to rejoice about this. How many say, God, God's convicted my heart to make sure I don't allow the narrative of God's goodness to go unheard. All over the building, would you raise your hand? Oh, God, help us. God, remind me. Help me, Lord. Bless you. Bless you. Help me, Lord. Help me to be pushing the celebrations of God. 
and for all of us, sometimes we're, we're not able to get physically or get here. And, and that happens in our lives. But nobody is going to be better at reminding you of God's goodness than you. You were there. You're a witness. Remind yourself. Set reminders. God help us. Thank you, Lord, for your word. We bless you and we magnify you. In Jesus' name.